This is week two of our unwholesome talk sermon series. Um, we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to minister and hopefully and prayerfully these words that we speak will be something encouraging and be a blessing to us to help us become uh, deeper in our relationship with Christ and that we would be more like him and less like us. Amen? How many needs to be more like him and less like myself? Uh, as I said last week, uh, Jesus doesn't intend to condemn us, but to convict us. And I want to uh, emphasize that today to make sure we understand that the words that we're saying, we're not condemning. We're praying that God will convict us. And I don't know about you, but this entire week after last week's sermon, uh, I was convicted all week long, uh, just day by day. I would say things and be like, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. But in the heat of the moment, it's easy to uh, spew unwholesome talk. And God doesn't intend for that to be uh, his children's manner of being. Ephesians 4.29 is the verse that we're using for this sermon series. And Paul, the apostle, writes back to the church at Ephesus and he says this. This is the New International Version. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen whether we realize it or not people are listening and people are watching I've read a lot of religious books that uh, they usually speak about how that as Christians a lot of times we are the only Bible that the community will ever read. That our lives as we exemplify Christ and become that example as a Christian that others are watching to see how we interact with each other, with our community, and with our world. So it bears a lot of responsibility on us to be mindful of what we say, of how we act, and what we do. So as Paul is writing this to the church at Ephesus, he had witnessed the community try to kill him. There was people that were disgruntled because the church was planted in Ephesus. And we read that in the book of Acts that we see that the apostle Paul, as he arrives in town, he explains to them about Christianity and about believing in Jesus and about being baptized in water and he encourages them and strengthens them and stays there for a couple of years building a church. And in Christianity I've realized in my life that it's easy to be on fire for God when we're early in our relationship with him. But over the long haul, we have to be intentional about maintaining that fire, that passion, that zeal 
for God's word, for God's people, and the church. So as the Apostle Paul is writing this back, I'm sure that he had maybe heard a report of something that was going on and he was addressing an issue. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So last week we talked about what is unwholesome talk and we uh, went into some detail about that and told some stories and different things to paint the picture for the sermon for us to hear. But this week I want to add to that and, and look at the thought of, as Apostle Paul is telling them to don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, what is the opposite of the unwholesome? It would be wholesome. So there's power in words. Your voice is important. So as he's telling them, don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth, at the same time he's saying, let wholesome words come out of your mouth. So at the same time, this whole week that I would be in a situation that I'd find myself and maybe be talking about somebody that wasn't in the room. I told Chuck a little early as we were standing out in the foyer that conviction would come on me and I'd be like, why am I talking about them? They're not here. We need to pray that that conviction remains. But at the same time, what if we wouldn't be tearing them down but building them up? What if we would be helping their reputation with others? So if I don't want to be unwholesome, I want to be wholesome. And there's power in the words that we speak. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 is a verse that many quote often. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. How many likes fruit? There's a lot of fruit out there. I see the kids carrying around bananas and oranges. and At the same time, I'm over there eating a cookie. And fruit is better than some of those things for you, but it may not be as appealing to you. So most of the Proverbs were written by Solomon, and he was a man of great wisdom. And according to the Scripture, the only person ever that lived wiser than Solomon would be Jesus as a human being. So as he writes down this little saying or this little quote, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And who has the control over that tongue? You and I. Nobody can make us say or do anything. We control ourselves. And if you read through all of the accounts of Solomon, there were times that he did not live in a godly way. Even though he had the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding to do the right thing, often throughout Scripture you'll see that King Solomon would be doing the wrong thing. You can teach your children to do right, 
You can give them all the understandings. You can tell stories about how you went wrong. You can encourage them, strengthen them, bolden them to do the right thing. But is there any parents in the room that knows the kids are going to continue to, to do the wrong thing? We all mess up. Romans says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And James we read about during the altar call last week that James, the brother of Jesus, talked about that the tongue is the most unruly member. It's hard to contain. But as Solomon says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we have to choose, am I going to speak death or am I going to speak life? Sounds too simple, really, doesn't it? But he's encouraging us that we're going to eat the fruit thereof. So if I speak death, it's kind of like planting seeds. If you go out and plow up a garden, we're in the springtime, and you understand that, you till it up, you disc it, maybe you run your rotor tiller through there a time or two, put some fertilizer in it, then you get a hole and go down through there and make you a row, and then you plant some seeds in the ground. What is going to grow? If you plant peas in the ground, you're going to get some nasty peas that will grow up, and they're awful. I've told you that before. It's the worst food on the planet. So if I did have a garden this year, there would not be any peas in it, other than if Leslie goes out and plants her own row. But if you plant corn then you expect corn to grow. If you get some tomato plants and put them in the ground, you don't go out there looking for peppers. You anticipate that you're going to get tomatoes. So the same way as we plant these seeds of words throughout our life, we have to understand it according to Proverbs and according to this wise man named Solomon, King Solomon, that the words that we speak are going to bring a harvest back in our life. And we're going to reap what we sow. So we need to be careful how we speak and what we say. If nothing more than for a selfish reason that I don't want to have to live out what I've spoke. Ernie's the only one saying amen. Is that, am I down to my father-in-law now? Have I lost the whole church congregation? Hopefully somebody else in here can say Amen. We need to be careful what we speak because I don't want that kind of fruit. So in the Old Testament as God was speaking to Moses and told Moses to write down in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I want to read this to you. A couple of verses. God speaking to them. Today I invoke heaven and earth. So if we invoke something, God is speaking something into being. He's declaring it. He's decreeing it and saying, this is what I am saying. So listen, today I invoke heaven and earth. He speaks to heaven and earth and declares this thing. As a witness against you that I have set life and death, blessing and cursing before you. God's decreeing this, I have put before you life and death. I put before you a choice. 
Therefore, listen to this. I love this. Therefore, choose life. He told them what the options were, but he encouraged them to take the right path. Choose life. Look at your neighbor and say, choose life. Then that goes on with a condition. So if you choose life, he goes on in this verse and says, so that you and your descendants may live. Verse 20, I also called on you to love the Lord your God, to obey Him and be loyal to Him, for He gives you life and enables you to live continually in the land that the Lord promised. And He promised to give this land to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God is declaring and decreeing through Moses and telling Moses, Tell the children of Israel, I put before you life and death. Choose life. So it would be like, you know, how many enjoys taking a test? Anybody just love tests and look forward to it? I can't wait for the test to come and look at these kids over here. Yeah, yeah. There's some teachers in the room. I know better. I don't enjoy a test. Some people has, uh, like me, has an anxiety of tests. Uh, if I know a test is upcoming and I'm studying and I'm trying my best and learning and, and taking in all the information and, and trying to make sure that I'm ready and prepared for the test, it doesn't matter how prepared I am, the closer the test gets, the more anxiety comes upon me and the more uh, freaked out I become. And, and whenever we get under stress, it's hard to make a right decision and, and, and maybe even answer the question right. Or correct. God is telling us that there is a test, but He gives us the answer. Is there any cheaters in the room? Has anybody ever cheated on a test? This is a, if, if you don't raise your hand, you're lying. I remember cheating. And I remember getting mad at somebody in my class because he was the smartest guy in our class. It wasn't Joe Don. <laughs> and I remember cheating off of him. And one time he sat beside of me and I, I was looking over and I was cheating and copying. And I thought, man, I'm going to get a good grade here. And I did. And I think he realized that I was cheating because the next time he would turn, slide the paper over, and then I couldn't see it. I think he understood, how's this clown making the same grade as me? <laughs> I know how to cheat. But this is a test that God doesn't even make us or require us to cheat. He's given you the answer. And the answer is life. And the power of that is in your tongue. That you have the ability to decree and declare things. That you can speak to mountains and be removed to the sea, Jesus says, and they shall be removed. You have to speak. You have to use your voice. You have to declare things. Of course, I believe that there's some people that chooses to take this too far, and we have to be cautious in what we speak. But I do believe that there's power of life and death in the tongue, power to create futures, powers to set direction and pass. In your future. 
So if you continually tell your kids you'll never grow up to be anything, you're a failure, you're useless. You're speaking futures into their future. Be careful, parents. Speak blessings over your children. It works. You may say, Pastor, that sounds too simple and that sounds crazy. How can my words really matter that much? I assure you they do. According to Scripture, and if we're looking at this and understanding this, we have to believe what I speak comes into being. The power of life and death. It isn't about saying nothing. It's about saying the right things. And it isn't about just saying and giving up unwholesome talk, but it's also at the same time applying wholesome talk. So the more we give up, the more we should produce more fruit in the better direction. If we are convicted of our unwholesome ways and our unwholesome activities and our own unwholesome talk, as that conviction comes, transition it to something else where it produces the good fruit. The children of Israel listened and they heeded to this and they would speak blessings over their kids. And God even told Aaron how to bless the children of Israel. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. What if you would wake up in the morning and say those words over your kids? Before you woke them up and they become hoodlums and terrified and mad and angry and grouchy and crying. Right, Andrea? Yeah, yeah. London never cries. Never, never cries. <laughs> and Gage helps make sure she doesn't cry, right? He, it makes it a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Gage, you're on the spot. You got to do better, buddy. Speak words of encouragement to your sister. Jesus, this is in John chapter 5, verse 24. says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. I say to you, whoever hears my word And believes it. So as we read scripture and we read the Bible, do we believe what it says and do we put it into action into what we're actually doing? Jesus said if we will apply his word that we will pass from death to life. Apostle Paul said, I die daily. What he means is I wake up in the morning that my flesh is dying, but my spirit man is being renewed and refreshed day by day. If I will turn my life over and my reasoning and my understanding and all my philosophies and vain philosophies over to God's ways and God's word, and we speak it over our lives and believe it and turn it into our actions, we're going to eat the fruit of that and we pass from death to life. When we give our lives to Him and we... 
uh, believe His Word is true and we believe in Jesus and we confess our sins and we give our life to Him and say, it's no longer I that I live, but you live in me, Christ. And as He lives in us, He transitions us and makes us a new creation in Christ Jesus. Death is gone and life becomes new. And if you've ever given your life to Jesus and you've uh, promised to uh, live with Him forever in eternity and you've spoken those words that I'm confessing my faults, my sins, my failures and I'm accepting the blood of the cross and I'm trusting you with my life. That new life that comes feels like a weight lifted off your shoulder. Can anybody in this room attest to that? That whenever you're a new creation and you give Him all the bad, that He makes everything good. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm saying you're forgiven. And that's a good place to be. I want to read this little story to you. He acts like his dad. <laughs> Poor Jordan. One day, Abraham Lincoln's secretary of war, Edwin Stanton, came to him with a wrathful letter that he'd written to a major general who had accused him of favoritism. Stanton read Lincoln the letter, which he was full of sharp reports, and the president told him it was a good letter and one that the general deserved. While Stanton, much gratified, was folding up the letter and putting it in the envelope, the president asked him, what are you going to do now? Why send it, of course, replied Stanton, looking blankly. Lincoln replied, don't do it. So Stanton said, but you said it was a good letter and well-deserved. Lincoln replied, yes, I believe he does deserve it. But you don't want to send such a letter as that. Put it in the stove. That's the way I do when I have written a letter while I'm mad. It's a good letter, and you've had a good time writing it. And you feel better, don't you? It's done you good and answered its purpose. Now burn it. Has anybody ever made a post, and maybe on your social media, and had it all topped out, and you was going to blister somebody, and the more you thought about it, and you started backing that little cursor up, and then tried to write it nicer, then back it up again and try to redo it again. And on about the third or fourth time, you just finally just say, I'm not sending it at all. I think Lincoln was onto something here that there's something therapeutic about that. None of us is perfect. And Scripture says, be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. It's not sin to be mad. It turns into sin whenever you let that madness 
come into existence through an action. There's something that I used to say all the time, and I've heard it a lot too, is people would say, wherever you know somebody's mad, have you ever seen somebody mad, just bulled up, and frustrated, and look at them and just say, ain't mad, are you? <laughs> what does that do? <laughs> it makes them matter, don't it? Ain't mad, are you? It's kind of like what Lincoln is doing here in this story. Ain't mad, are you? And I'm sure his person here is saying, but I want to mail the letter. I want to hit send. I want to hit post. But we understand that those words and the fruit that comes from our words has to change. So hopefully this entire week that the enemy doesn't like it very much that we are talking about this subject because he understands that as we speak we are creating those pathways forward and he wants us to have unwholesome talk. Look at your neighbor and say God wants us to do better. Now look at them and say, no, God wants you to do better. Do we speak life like God? Or do we want to speak death like the devil? And I want to read just a few more verses here as we're finishing up today. But it's in Luke chapter 4 as Jesus it's a few verses, but this is a story where Jesus had to choose what he was going to say. That God put before him life and death. And that the power in Jesus' tongue was to choose life. And that was the path he chose. So let's listen to the story. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings power. There's power in that name. The name that is above all names. Allow the Holy Spirit to be your guide. But then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you'll be led by the Holy Spirit. And His leading, He takes you places. Sometimes places that you don't want to go. Verse 2 says, Where for forty days He endured temptations from the devil. He ate nothing for those days. And when they were completed, He was famished. Or He was weak. Usually at the beginning of the years, we sometimes as a church fast as a whole. Some people fast food, some people fast social media, some people fast just portions or types of food. 
Jesus fasted 40 days and did not eat. That's tough. And in the midst of that withholding eating, it says he was tempted. And he endured these temptations. The devil said to him, so think about this, during his 40 days that the devil is trying to trip Jesus up, and he will try to come to you in the midst of your weakness. In a season of your life where that you're impassioned or you're enraged or you're mad, or ain't mad, are you? The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. The devil always challenges what God has already said. God spoke things into being, into existence. If you are the Son of God. Jesus knew he was the Son of God. But the devil is questioning that. He's speaking death to what God has spoken life to. Verse 4, Jesus answered him, said, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. Jesus said this, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone. He's proving that to be true. I haven't eaten anything for days. I'm starving. And in the midst of that, Jesus is declaring to be true what God has already said. He's spoken this. This is in the Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone. It says, Then the devil led him to a high place and showed him in a flash all the kingdoms of the world. Strike one. And he said to him, the devil said to Jesus, To you I will grant this whole realm and all the glory that goes along with it, for it has been relinquished to me. And I can give it to anyone I wish. So then, if you will worship me, all this will be yours. So the devil is speaking death because we know there's a verse in the Bible that says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's in the Psalms. says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hillsides. So the devil is trying to trip Jesus up to believe that this earth is not his. And he's trying to speak death to what God has spoken life to. If you will worship me, I'll give you this. The Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for a season. But the more you live in sin, the more you know and understand the destructive nature that it brings upon us as human beings. If you will worship me, all this will be yours. And Jesus answered to him, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. You are to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil brought him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. 
And then the devil tries to trick him up, and the devil starts saying something here. And the devil says, he's using Jesus' tactics. And he said, for it is written. Everybody say, for it is written. Sometimes the devil will give you a verse out of context to try to make you believe something that is not true. This is the devil quoting God's word to Jesus. He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And with their hands they will lift you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him and said, It is written. Everybody say, It is written. You're not to put the Lord your God to a test. So when the devil had completed every temptation, he departed from him and waited for a more opportune time. Strike three. You're out. The devil had to leave him alone. When the enemy tries to trip you up, sometimes he'll even use the word to try to get you to do that. Quote the scripture back to him. Jesus is saying that the power of life and death is in the tongue, but it is in the written word of God. Find you a verse and begin to declare it over your life. Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What if we would speak that over and over and over and we begin to believe that to be true? What kind of life would we live? So last week I asked you to, to go out and write five encouraging notes or to someone and encourage someone. And hopefully you've done that. Bootsy handed me a note while ago. She must have had four before today. Thank you, Bootsy. Everybody say, I love you, Bootsy. <laughs> it's encouraging as a pastor. I appreciate it. So last week we encouraged you to do that, and this week I want to encourage you to speak positive words. Words of affirmation or words of life. I want you to do that this week to five people. There's one thing about writing it down and handing a note to somebody, and it matters, and it works. I'm encouraging you this week to do that. And I wrote some different positions down here, and this is not inclusive. It's just some thoughts that I was thinking. The McDonald's worker. So just by a show of hands, how many's ever been mad sitting in McDonald's because you had to wait three extra minutes? And you're speaking ill. What are they doing in there? Fifteen of them standing around. Guilty. What if we'd sit there and say, I speak the blood of Jesus over those employees. I speak life over those kids in there that's learning how to work. 
staying up late when they needed to be doing homework, but they're earning money and learning life skills. I speak blessings over them. What if we would do away with the unwholesome and become wholesome? Unless they see me in fits of rage and ready to go back and throw stuff at them because they didn't give me my apple pie. True? She says, I'm a butthole. <laughs> yeah, she's in the midst of altar call already. What about a UPS driver? Or FedEx or whoever, not really one way or another. How many has ever ordered something on Amazon and because you waited too long to order it? And then you got a tracking number and you're just watching it to make sure it got there in time. This is for race car people, Wayne, <laughs> mostly. And it says on the tracking number, you look it up, and it says it's going to arrive today. This happened to me last week, and then I got home, and the package was supposed to be there on the front porch, and I know for sure I'm going to get home, and my parts are going to be there, and it's going to be a great time, right? We're going to work, and it's going to be pretty awesome. Next, you get home, and it's not there. So we have to choose life and death in that moment. Am I going to speak death to that UPS driver that's out there struggling? And Savannah, a few years ago, when she was doing that during uh, holiday seasons, man, she, she was traveling all over the road she didn't know and out in the brush and GPS wouldn't work and just the frustration and the fear of this young person just trying to earn extra money during the holiday season. And people's mad. Christians are the worst. Come on, somebody. We don't speak wholesome. We speak unwholesome. We choose to speak death to them because they didn't get our poor little part there in time. What if we choose to speak life and say, God, bless them? I speak blessings over their home, over their children, over their kids, over their wife, over their families. I think we're all guilty. Next one's a really tough one. Telemarketer. Whew, I felt somebody just take a deep breath. What happened? They were like, eh, I was okay on the McDonald's worker. I was okay on you, best driver. The telemarketer, come on, pastor. There's a point where you don't cross that great divide. I think I've just crossed the great divide. Uh-oh. Somebody in the room feels that one. What if you this week, whatever you, has anybody ever been mean to a telemarketer? Show of hands, no line. You ever been mean to them? They're just trying to earn a living. I would hate to have their job. What if we would just speak life to them and say, you know what, I'm a believer in Jesus. And I used to be a vile, sinful person. And this man called Jesus met me. And I prayed a sinner's prayer and he brought life to what was dead. And I speak encouraging words over you as a telemarketer. And I know you've put up with a lot of crap today and a lot of mean people. And I speak life over you and your situations and your family and your workplace. 
what if that would be the encouraging word that they needed to hear? I can't imagine all the vile, vain, mean things they hear on a daily basis. We have to choose life. Here's one for my brother. This last one. Bank teller. Any bank tellers in the room? Bankers? Ammon's here. He's a banker. He's not on the teller line, thankfully. How many's ever went into a bank? Albie works at the bank. She's a bank teller. People are just mean to bank tellers. Anybody ever been mean to a bank teller? And grouchy because they didn't give you your way? Because somebody in management at the bank made a rule where that you had to have the money in your account to cover what you're cashing your check for. <laughs> and because you haven't saved enough money to cover the check you're wanting to cash, Dusty used to be a bank teller. People are mean. What if we as Christians would be different? And wouldn't walk in mean and rude and inconsiderate to a person that's just working. What if we'd speak life over them? What if we'd say, I'm sorry I'm a loser and I'm not good at saving and I'm sorry I've put you in this position <laughs> that you couldn't cash my check today. I apologize for taking up time in your line. I encourage you today, be strengthened. You would bow your head and close your eyes, please. Psalms 19, verse 14 says this May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. You are my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. If you're in this place today and you're sitting here and you're hearing this message, you're hearing these words, I'm encouraging you to choose life. That's what Paul told, or it's what God told Moses so many years ago. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Here's the answer sheet. God is encouraging us today to use the right words and to meditate on good things. Be an encourager. Be someone that blesses. If you go out and eat today, tip double what you normally would and see if it isn't a blessing to that person that's serving. Find those five people this week to speak words of encouragement to. You never know that they may be facing things and situations. Be that person of influence that changes destinies. No one looking around, everybody. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you never accepted Him, 
and you're ready to pass from death to life. You're sick of walking in sin. You're sick of laying down at night, troubled and perplexed by all the issues of life. You're sitting here today saying, I wish I had that weight lifted off my shoulders that you talked about, Pastor. I'm ready to relinquish my ways for His. I want you to lift up your hand and say, that's me. Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to give Him my life and accept Him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Anybody here? good if you sense right now that the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart's door and you know that he's asking you to come to him today is a great day for salvation and you don't have to get saved you don't have to come down front you don't have to pray a certain prayer you just got to give him your heart you just got to confess, I'm wrong. Make things right, Jesus, and He will. You can do that on your lawnmower. You can do that in the car driving home today. He is near to you today. I can sense that He's drawing people in this room and He's asking you, come home. Give up your ways for my ways. Is there anybody in the room today that feels convicted and says, Pastor, these words are putting me on the spot and I want to leave those unwholesome conversations behind and I'm ready to speak words of encouragement and I want to transition this week and I want to find those five people so that God can help those that I come in contact with. Fetch you, just raise up your hand. I want to make a difference this week. I want to encourage others. I want to quit having unwholesome talk. Thank you for those hands everywhere. Amen. God, give us words of encouragement to help others, to be a blessing. And allow us to eat the fruit of the words we say. Let us plant good seeds. And God, I pray today that you would empower those sitting here today. As this gentleman come to Abraham Lincoln and he wanted to mail the letter, God. And Lincoln gave him some sound advice, don't send it. God, I pray today as sometimes that we say things that we don't need to say. God, I pray that you would empower us to plant good seeds, to be a voice of reason in a troubled world. God, that you would help us to be a blessing to our community that you intend for us to be. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.